Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf, once again talking about the game we all love. Phil, on this occasion, none of our lukewarm banter. Let's get straight <laughs> down to business and say a hearty congratulations to the man that has just won his first ranking event, Championship League winner, David Gilbert. I think it's fair to say that pretty much everybody that cares about snooker is delighted for him. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a thoroughly popular uh, result, him winning that. Nothing against Mark Allen or anyone else he beat in that tournament. But uh, yeah, uh, that's gone down very well, I think, with fans and players alike. Uh, he's long been talked about as one of the best players never to have won a ranking title, but now that's put to bed. And I think he's delighted for that to be the case, not just to get his hands on the title. So he doesn't have to have that conversation anymore. I spoke to him this morning and uh, he mentioned that himself. He, he he made he kept saying that it didn't annoy him being asked that, but the amount of times he said it didn't annoy him made me think it has been annoying him. So <laughs> I think he's glad that that's just never going to be brought up again. No, I think I think I think you might be onto something there. And yes, do, do look at Phil's article with David. There's some smashing quotes in there. Typical of Dave, never really gets bad quotes, but. I, I kind of like the way he, he said, well, that's that's over to Jack Lasowski now, bless him. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. I mean, sometimes when you get this in a lot of sports and golf as well, it's, it's sometimes not always easy uh, to know who the best player to never win a major is or in tennis, the, the best player to not win a slam. It's not always clear in snooker, but it's totally clear now. It's definitely Jack Lasowski, isn't it? Gilbert might have been that equation, and I think we said in our predictions episode, didn't we, with George Wayham, that we thought Lasowski was bound to be the next one to win one. I think most would have said that. But Dave, straight out of the blocks and, and, and winning the first event of the season. And, well, we said on, on our Twitter feed earlier this evening, when was the last time Snooker had a winner quite this popular? I mean, Anthony Hamilton comes in 
to mind, certainly for, for Germany. A few people have said Michael Holt as well and Mark King. Yeah, they're definitely candidates. I would say Hamilton might still be at the top because he had so many near things and he kind of had that more consistent career, whereas Dave's kind of come late. That said, this is mighty popular. I've been struck by fans, other players, pundits, everyone just saying he's a great bloke. It's so pleasing. And it's just put a smile on, you know, the, the faces of snooker people everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Even uh, Mark Allen tweeted afterwards and he sounded almost as pleased as everyone else to have lost that final to Dave. I'm sure he wasn't, but um, <laughs> he certainly said he was. Um, yeah, I think... I don't think Dave quite realises how uh, how sort of popular he is amongst uh, snooker people, uh, uh, but people are rooting for him. Maybe they're not. Maybe they won't be anymore. Maybe that was all because he hadn't won anything. Maybe he's gone too big time now. But <laughs> we'll see. Um, but yeah, like you said, it always seemed to be him and Lusowski as the two in that conversation. So it does look like Jack's got that to all to himself now. The best player not to win anything, but it doesn't change what we said in the other the other week. Like, it's, I still. Think it's probably going to happen this season. If not, then it will be in the near future, not too far away. Um, but yeah, uh, no, great stuff to see him win. And he was back in the club again this morning. Um, I spoke to him about half eleven, something like that, and he was he was trying to practice anyway. He said there was a lot of people just calling him, so I'm not sure how much practice he got in, but he, he was at least trying to practice, which shows where his mindset is. It wasn't a it wasn't a big party time celebrating his uh, his win back in the club, getting ready for the British Open. So very impressive. Well, I'll let um, the listeners into a little bit of a secret. When I, um, and this, is really, this sounds like it's already it's just a humble brag and a way of me saying that, I make, it's not really like that. I was genuinely not quite sure when I said about Dave Gilbert getting in the top 16 afterwards. In fact, I said to you, you know, is that too ambitious? He's quite a long way behind. But I'm feeling much happier about that prediction now. He's still got a way to go, but he's talking quite bullishly with you, wasn't he, about... Uh, making that gap up and as he told us you know when he came on here two weeks ago he just would love to be at the Masters again he'd love to be at the next Masters it's still possible he could get back in the top 16 and let's hold back no longer Phil what great timing for us <laughs> Lowe joked about it but you know 128 players in the Championship League and we've gone and got the guy on that's actually won it and you told me off air, he did mention it, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, he did say it was down to the podcast, being on the podcast, we should get him on every week. But then I, I did offer him to come on tonight and he wasn't that keen to actually do it. So I think it was an empty promise. Um, yeah, no, ideal timing to get him on just before that. Yeah. Um, because, how, I mean, how many tournaments has he played in his career? We could have had him on there before any of them and it happened to be the first one he won. So, yeah, superb stuff. Um yeah, and the, I think having that, he, yeah, he was talking about wanting to get into the Masters this year, which, you know, isn't that far away. It's going to take some doing, but having having that focused target um, might be ideal uh, to really sharpen the mind. And that's probably why he's back in the, back in the club uh, today, because, you know, he could do it if he wins the British Open next week. Mm. It's 100 grand, he'll be in the top 16. So it is doable. It's hard. But um, as I say, if he's focused the mind, he's got that, uh, that goal to be achieved, then you know you wouldn't back against him. Now he's now he's got a win under his belt. And we've had 24 hours to kind of digest it and think about it. I'm sure all snooker fans are doing the same. And it just crossed my mind within that last 24 hour period that I sort of think there's a really big win in Dave Gilbert somewhere. I, 
I, I mean, listen, he could clear with any tournament now, but I almost mean maybe a triple crown, maybe like a, a player's championship, something like that. I just feel, I, I mean, it's so obvious to say, I know, but when you get that monkey off your back, you know, it, it, you know he just can walk tall now, can't he? He won't be asked that question anymore. He'll be, you know, so much more confident, and maybe even more than he even realises now. And it's going to make a difference, I think. And it might not come soon, but, you know, he, he's so, such a good player. One of the days, actually, um, they were broadcasting the other table. I think it was on the Monday when Ronnie O'Sullivan pulled out. We'll come to that a little bit later. And they showed bits of Dave from the other table while uh, covering the Yambin Tao uh, day live, as it were. And Ryan Day was saying how stylish Dave is and how lovely to watch. And I thought, you know, yeah, it's almost not talked about enough, really. Um, you know, you know, we know what a great bloke he is, what a you know top player he is. But he's one of those guys that's so stylish, you know, Dave. And it's, it's like a lot of guys around that. I mean, he's in the 20s now, or a bit higher now, I think. He should be probably higher than that. But a lot of those guys in maybe the teens, the 20s, they all have periods where they think they're on fire. And, watching you think they're never going to miss yeah <laughs> that's the nature of sport it's all about being consistent but Dave kind of got in that zone a bit in the last few days didn't he so he's never going to miss yeah uh, another I mean this is a separate point really but watching Cao Yu Peng play sometimes this week I thought mm. he looked like that he looked like a, a, a proper proper top player yeah. and obviously he didn't quite do it in the end but sometimes you see players and it looks like you know it's the easiest game in the world isn't it and you just you're backing them to part everything and they don't seem to have any hard shots to play because the cue balls is such good control. So yeah. Um, yeah. Dave definitely got that at some points this week. And I definitely thought of that about cow as well. He was very impressive at times, but yeah, like you say, he's definitely, I mean, the other tournaments he's got to finals in and just come up short. Um, you know, the two ones in China, the international championship, the world open, they were big, big tournaments, semifinals, at the world's couple of semifinals, the masters. So yeah. Um, I know this is one of the relatively smaller events that he has, ended up winning first but he's got very good pedigree in the bigger ones as well so yeah certainly wouldn't be surprised if he uh, if he had a much bigger tournament than the Championship League to his CV for sure yeah no I, I, I think we're both thinking for the same hymn sheet there well David did beat Mark Allen 3-1 in the final and <laughs> it's only best of five but it just shows even a best of five can be dramatic I mean that was a watching through your fingers affair it didn't <laughs> even go to a decider but Wow, that last frame was, was pretty dramatic. I mean, Gilbert went for a match ball red. He had to go for it, I think. It was the right shot, but he missed it, and he, he missed it by a long way, actually. And it looked like Alan would step in, but playing from blue to yellow, he just didn't play a very good positional shot, Mark Allen. Missed the yellow, and, and then, and then Dave, Dave cleared up. And, well, it was, um, you know, two top players in the final. And, and turning to the, the runner-up, I mean... It's hard to believe that we saw that kind of haunted-looking Mark Allen at the Crucible, Phil, you know, only a few months ago, suggesting the way I heard it, that he was going to have a longer break than this. But putting that aside, certainly not in a good place, but it just shows maybe he's still not in a brilliant place mentally, but his snooker qualities are still so good, it can get into the final and nearly, you know, into the winner's enclosure. Yeah, he was he was amazing throughout the whole tournament, really. Yeah. Made ten centuries in that event, which over those short format games is insane. Really, I think closest anyone else did was five. So he made double the amount of centuries than anyone else managed. One of them was a 
146. So, yeah, in very, very good form. And, yeah, opened that final with 120 in the first round. No, sorry, 102 in the first round, but still a century. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it didn't look good for Dave at that point, but um, showed his sort of battling qualities because he showed that earlier because he lost the first game of his final group, didn't he? And over that format, that doesn't look good at all if you've lost your first game. Um, so it was good battling from him, which I suppose that's the one thing he isn't known for necessarily is sort of mental toughness sometimes, Dave. But uh, So even more rewarding for him to do that. But yeah, um, he, may, he may have come up short just at the end, but great sign to Mark Allen because there may have been a lot of people thinking this would be a difficult season for him just with everything that's going off the table, on off the table. As you say, I thought he meant he was going to have a longer break than just the summer break. Um, but he's clearly been practising because I don't think you can just turn up and and play like he has done in this event if he hadn't had the queue out. So good signs for him. Um, and hopefully he, can, he has put things aside and uh, his snooker will continue to impress as it has done this week. Yeah, no, definitely. And you, know, you mentioned his breaks. I mean, 127-124 and, and that 1-4-6 in a 3-0 win against Kyron Wilson. I mean, that's outrageous. Yeah. I mean, that is properly outrageous, actually, in, in three frames. And he, he got nine points from nine in his group and only dropping one frame. And I mean, I don't know what the odds were before that final. It happened so quickly, but it, it, it probably would have been Spain, but only probably marginal in, in a best of five. But, but yes, he, he looks so good and it is good signs going forward, clearly. As you say, Dave Hill started the day with a 3-1 defeat to Carrie UK. I was actually busy early on on, on Friday doing other things and just catching up with results. And actually, I thought, God, that, that might have ended his hopes already type thing. But no, as you say, he, he fought back. He beat Ryan Day and Ali Carter to get through uh, that tight group with six points and then won the final, uh, beating Alan 3-1. Congratulations today. What, what a lovely first uh, story this season. Well, we got through it, Phil, didn't we, the, the Championship League? But let's... Um, as we like to do, we're completists here, aren't we? Let's go through some of the previous days as well that led up to the final. And we had some bad news last Monday, didn't we? And, you know, bad news for everyone, but certainly for us. We recorded only the night before, talking all about Roddy O'Sullivan. Then he pulled out, of course. So it made a, a little bit of our podcast um, not very topical very quickly. But um, it, it's a real shame. We know his, um, well, Jason Francis, who's basically his de facto manager, isn't he? He said he mm. wasn't very well. So... Um, it's a shame, and uh, in his absence, Dave Gilbert picked up nine points out of nine in that group to go through. Uh, but it, the shame is we're really not seeing Ronnie much at all in these early weeks and months of the season now, are we? Yeah, it's going to be a long old gap, because obviously we saw him a bit in this tournament, saw him in the first, first group stage, um, but then it's going to be a while until we do see him again, because now uh, he's not playing at the British Open, and then it, the qualifiers for Northern Ireland, I think, is the next one, but top 16 aren't and play there and they're held over to the to the main uh, the main arena so yeah it's going to be a while um, yeah I spoke to Matchroom on that um, that day he was meant to play and they said he hadn't given a reason but yeah Jason Francis tweeted that he wasn't very well so it's fair enough hopefully hopefully he's doing alright um, but yeah um, it was it's caused a little bit of controversy didn't it because Mark Joyce came back in having already been eliminated from the tournament which just feel a bit strange doesn't it Um if you've already been knocked out. Um, and there's a similar situation last year, wasn't there, in this same tournament, I think, when they played with just three. Yeah. Yeah, and made every, they played each other twice, which I, I think I, pr- I probably would have preferred that option 
Um, I mean, ultimately, it didn't matter because it only would have been an issue if Joyce would have got through, then people would have been funny about it. But um, yeah, I think I'd rather just play the three of them played each other twice. But yeah, in terms of seeing uh, seeing Ed Sullivan play, it's disappointing because yeah, it's going to be a while now. But um, I mean, good news for Dave. I'm not saying he wouldn't have got through even with Ronnie in there, but uh, his chances were certainly improved by not having to play the rocket. Yeah, I know that quite a lot of players actually were very upset about that Mark Joyce situation. And uh, yes, it probably wasn't ideal. The only thing I'll say about it is he was never really likely to get through, was he? I mean, he very late notice, obviously. Mm. You know, and he wouldn't have been that that prepared for that day. So it was always a bit odds against him to get through, even in, in the unpredictable short format. But yes, it's funny they did that you know, three-person group before and then decided to do something different this time. So maybe not much consistency there. The other group, uh, Cal Yu Peng, who you rightly have been hailing, and I mean, heavens above, he looks like a tournament winner and soon if he plays like this. But he, he won that that group, that really good group. And they switched it around, as I mentioned uh, already, I think, to be the TV match that day. Top group, seeing of Yan Bing Tao, Matt Seltz and Barry Hawkins and topping the group with seven points. Uh, then on... Tuesday, we had Ali Carter with three wins from three, all with a 3-1 scoreline. Uh, Carter beating Graham Dot, Sean Murphy and Gerard Green that day, uh, while the other group was won by Ryan Day, edging out Stuart Bingham, seven points to six. I mean, Ali Carter, we said it before, but bit between his teeth, Phil. Um, the only problem is, there's a lot of players playing well at the moment, you know, and the, uh, only one guy can win each tournament, but he, he looks like he's sort of um, buzzing, frankly, Ali. Yeah, definitely playing really well. Um, and see, I think these a lot of these short format events that have been going throughout this whole year, really, um, I think some people have just sort of embraced them a bit more than others, maybe. And Carter certainly has, and he take it very seriously. And um, he knows he's playing well and he's enjoying it. And yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still a great return, I think, um, even without winning it, getting to the, the final eight. Um, finishing second in that in that final group stage group, so um, yeah, he it'll be interesting to see if he can when they sort of go back to the longer formats, the more traditional tournaments, how he can transfer it then because he's been racking up all these wins in these short format tournaments. But uh, yeah, you wouldn't back him against it because, as you say, he looks good, he sounds good. You know, whenever he's being interviewed, he sounds very confident. Um, he's got a real presence at the table. Uh, so yeah, um, he's going to be. We said the other week that we thought he was going to be a force this season and certainly the bits we've seen of him so far has backed that up. Very much so. Uh, another player that's almost bound to be a force this season because he's such a, a, a fabulous player, Kyron Wilson. Well, he beat Ken Doherty 3-1 and Oliver Lyons 3-1 and knew he'd already topped the group before playing Matthew Stevens in his last match. But I know we had a brief word off air, Phil, before we started recording and that was one of the moments of the week for me, uh, Stevens beating Wilson 3-0, especially that last frame. Stevens playing so well, reminded us of what we said a week or so ago um, about what a lovely player he still is. And I really like Kyron's reaction, both at the table and in the interview afterwards. I, mean, I know he was already through, but you could see there was a genuine sort of enjoyment there. And he was explaining that actually, you know, when he was like us, uh, if you like, and just a snooker fan before he was a player, he grew up loving watching Matthew Stevens. So that's that lovely kind of, I don't know if symmetry is the right word, but lovely sort of coming together of the past and the present there, which you do get in this game where 
kind of um, players can play it for so long that he grew up watching somebody and it was almost like, yeah, we all remembered how good Matthew was and can still be, including Kyron. Yeah, definitely. I think there's sort of 13, 14 years in between those guys, which I wouldn't, I don't know, I wouldn't have thought, well, maybe I've had, had thoughts about it, I would have guessed about that, but in my head, Steve, in my head, Stevens isn't that old, but yeah, he's 43 now. And yeah, definitely Wilson would have been a, been a kid watching him play and when he was such a great player at the Crucible, so consistent, reliable quarterfinals, semifinals, finalists for so long. Um, and yeah, we don't see it that often from Matthew that much these days. And that's what Kyron said. That's why it was such a treat to see him doing it there. Um, ultimately, not when it mattered, really, but it was still great to watch. Um, he's a brilliant, yeah, brilliant break builder, brilliant cueist when he's uh, found his best form. And yeah, he did find some of it there. Um, and yeah, I mean, at that point, when even though he'd lost that game, but when Kyron topped that group again, it just seemed that he, he was almost impossible to stop in the Championship League. He really has. Um, a love affair with this tournament and it took it took some real doing in the next stage he sort of I really fancied him in that in that final group to come through um, and he just sort of faltered a bit and then it took that amazing performance from Alan to beat him 3-0 in that final game um, but yeah uh, I suppose that's the nature of it isn't it if, you, if it was it's mad to have won this twice on the spin given the format um, and to actually have come quite close to winning it three times on the spin um, is a really really good effort from Kyron yeah, it really is so consistent and just shows his, his um, you know, his excellence. And maybe with some guys, maybe McGill, we said before, do so well at the Crucible. You think, yeah, you need to spread that around a bit. But Kyron is a spreader, isn't he? He sort of figures in most things, in, you know, be it best of four or, you know, best of 35. You know, he, he's, he's sniffing around the titles all, all the time, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's. It's a real shock if he goes out early. He's he seems to be sort of a nailed on court final guy at almost everything now, and that's why he's number six in the world because he has won events. Don't get me wrong, but he's not he's not won massive events so much. He's won a lot of the sort of smaller events, but he, he's consistent in the big events as well. And I think that's just the next step, isn't it, in his career? They'll be starting to pick up the the bigger titles, and he's certainly good enough to do it. He's beaten everyone, isn't he? And he does it quite regularly. Um, so yeah, and then he it was the guy he, bit, he played in that final group we haven't mentioned yet, Bai Lang Ning. He is well deserving of a mention here um, for an amateur to get that far. Um, and he, he, you could tell he was sort of a teenager and didn't have the experience a lot of the time, especially in that final group when he was sort of the pressure was on a bit more. Um, he had a really good chance to beat Kyron in their first game, and the, the pressure did get to him, but. Um, yeah, to get that to get that far, it's crazy. He's not on the tour, um, but I'm sure he will be next season if he keeps getting to quarterfinals of things. I mean, I call it a quarterfinals. The last eight of those two groups, effectively a quarterfinal. Um, yeah, if he can do that in when he can get a chance in events, then uh, then we'll see him on the tour next season. Yeah, no, and uh, I mean, it said a lot on Wednesday that Roy Landing and David Lilly the top two in the group, including knock on Sankam and Mark Davis. I mean, that was a hell of a group. Five, four, four, three. When you think about some players are not getting through with six, to get through with five, I mean, it was a real scrap, that one. Uh, so, we, yeah, Brian Land Landing had a, had a fabulous tournament, quite right to mention him. Uh, Tom Ford had a decent tournament as well, and he uh, ended the hopes of world number one, Judd Trump, on Thursday. 
uh, winning 3-0 in their match. Ford topping his group with six points. Again, showing what a you know, good player he is. And you'd like to think he can maybe challenge for a tournament this season. We're saying this about so many guys, though, and that's what makes it such a, an interesting sport for us to watch, of course. And the other group, Mark Allen, uh, with nine points from nine, just, you know, showing again what, you know, what, what a very, very good tournament he had. He beat uh, Virgil O'Brien, Peter Lyons and Ricky Walden. And, uh, well, that all ended uh, with the uh, final day on, on Friday and victory for David Gilbert. What a marathon, Phil. I mean, heavenly <laughs> club. It's kept us company for uh, many weeks there. And, uh, well, surely the, even the, us you know, pundits and fans deserve something for, for seeing it through. I'm not sure like a... I'm not sure Esther Ranson gives out hearts of gold anymore, but some, some kind of award, you know, because... Uh, that was a that was a long slog, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And I'd love to know if anyone has had watched every televised frame of that. Um, great effort if you come anywhere near that. Um, definitely, it was a it was a sort of dip in a, in an outer for most of it. But the climax of it is really good. That final week and the the quality quite clearly improved. I think towards the end, you could tell the a lot of them had sort of knocked off the rust from the start of the season where they hadn't been practicing so much maybe over summer. Um and yeah that the final day was superb. There were big breaks being knocked in uh knocked in everywhere. Um and it, it really had sort of it went it went from I mean there's people call it sort of pre- paid practice sometimes these tournaments, but uh the the final day I felt it set it felt like a really pressurized environment from quite early on. Um I think it was Peter Lyons on commentary. I can't remember what the match was, but he was like, "This is I can't believe this is frame two of the entire day and people were looking very edgy. I think that was Kyron against Bai, actually, when Bai was getting chances to go 2-0 up and he was messing him up. Um, so, yeah, no, it really did feel like the, the end, a big ending to a, a proper tournament by the end um, after a long, slow, steady build-up. Um, but, yeah, no, it's good. Uh, it's, you know, it is what it is, isn't it, the Championship League? It's... Uh, it's been promoted in stature because of the circumstances we found ourselves in over the last two years. Um, but yeah, good company. Your phrase, good company, I think is, uh, is especially appropriate for this tournament. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it strikes me quite a few times that because it comes on at what about midday uh, mm. and it's on then for sort of three, four hours, a bit of a break then back on again and often play with gone until sort of nine, ten at night. It's always on. It's that lovely, I mean, I know you're a big cricket cricket man, I am as well, though, certainly historically. And um, yeah, some test matches, you'll, I mean, this is, there's a gripping test match going on right now, of course, which we mentioned a bit earlier. England-India game at North, absolutely fascinating. But some, you know, some tests, you don't want to miss anything. But some of them, you, you know, they're a bit lower key or they're not quite grabbing you. It's just there in the background. It's just lovely company. The sounds of test cricket. And these long snooker days remind me a bit of that. It's kind of that slow burn. And I, I like I like the fact that, you know, there are short matches. Don't worry if it's not your favourites. Another one will be a long, another couple will be a longer than a minute. And, you know, I think it's fair to say, let's, you know, not beat around the bush. From some corners of the snooker world, certainly some pundits, they're clearly not that enamoured with the Championship League. It's not grabbing them. And, you know... If I'm honest, I think it's probably better when the Championship League is done in, in sections. 
as mm. more fillers in between. I think to go in one go like this has has actually felt maybe too long in one go. That's the one thing I would say. I quite like if we had like one week in you know September, one in October, you know another one start for Christmas, that kind of thing. Um, might work a bit better in that regard but as you say um it, it's um it's filled a hole isn't it yeah <laughs> That's I, I think some people i think some people want more of a more of a curtain raiser that feels like a curtain has been raised and you know a more of a dramatic start to the season than uh you know what is effectively the lowest key tournament on the calendar really um but yeah it's it's it's, it's minor complaints, really. Uh, and as I say, it's, it's, it's in its position in the game because of, I don't think anyone would choose this if there were more options available. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not going to be anyone's favourite tournament, let's put it that way, apart from maybe David Gilbert, who it might now be his favourite tournament. <laughs> Indeed. Well, let's um, draw a veil for now over the, the Championship League. Uh, you are listening to Talking Snooker here with uh, Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf on a Saturday night, Phil. All the big shows, don't they, traditionally go out on Saturday night, be it Strictly, X Factor, Noel's House Party back in the day, Generation <laughs> Game, one for the teenagers. So we thought, let's let's add our name. We are switching around the days a bit, aren't we? But in our defence, the way this, the tournaments are run, our traditional day started as Monday, and we do try and sort of keep to that, but the, the nature of the tournaments, often a Monday record, isn't that sort of beneficial for us or the listeners, is it? Yeah, exactly. We sort of, although we've not really mentioned it yet, we were, the point of this episode was going to be looking ahead of the British Open. And uh, yeah, if we're going to put this out on a Monday, I mean, it will have started by the, the time a lot of people would listen. So yeah, we thought we'd get in early this week. Neither is uh, nearly interesting enough to have plans on a Saturday night, it turns out. So we thought we'd do the podcast then instead. <laughs> Very good way of saying it. Um, now, on with the British Open, sir, which you quite rightly teed up there. Now, this is a proper curtain raiser. Come on. I mean, you know, we know about the format. It's not ideal. It's a bit like the debate about the shootout and whether it should be, uh, you know, around the event. 
It shows how much weight he's lost because it was it was immediately obvious when I saw him in the Championship League, um, and I think it's two and a half stones I, I heard or read somewhere, um, which is some serious effort since I guess that's since the World Championship, isn't it? Which isn't that long. Uh, it's from spinning classes, so uh, yeah, brilliant effort from him. That is uh, that's great work, especially over the summer when it's tempting to, you know. Be out in the garden with a beer, maybe. <laughs> but um, I think actually he'd given up drinking as well, so maybe that's a bit easier as well. Um, but yeah, no, he looks good, um, and I think that is help, helpful in a game like this. Um, not that you need to be fit to play it, but um, you feel better about yourself. Um, I think if you're fitter, you get less mentally tired. Probably, There's probably some stats about that. But I'm sure that is a thing. Um, so yeah, all good news for him, and that's a that's one of the eye-catching ties for sure. Um, Ursenbacker looked quite good in, in the Championship League, actually, as well, I thought. Um, as did Higgins, and it was uh, he was unlucky to not get through. He lost that um, that great game against Nopon, didn't he? So, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, you could... This is, I don't want to... I'm not going to repeat this a lot of the time because you could see it about all sorts of games. But this is a game you'd like to see over a longer format, but we'll still enjoy it over five frames as well. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I can't remember where, where I read or heard it now. It might have been on the snooker scene pod saying that Actually, John's not um, necessarily been historically much of a gym person, so we shouldn't, un- un- you know, underestimate that achievement of going to those classes. And um, and he's one of those where it, it suits him so much. You know, it, 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 you can you can kind of just almost see him on television. There's that kind of a bit of a sort of glow about him. There's a bit of a sort of energy about him. And I think you know he. And let's face it, he, has, he did some great things last season. I mean, was it the Players' Championship? He stormed to victory, and that was yeah. absolutely stunning, wasn't it? So, you know, he, like every member, all those three members of the class of 92, we know John is still capable of going a long way at events. Uh, Aaron Hill, Jimmy White, I scribbled down. Well, that's just an extraordinary age difference there, isn't it? But, I mean, you know, good, that's, that's, that's granddad Jimmy, isn't it? Never mind dad Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. Um and that, yeah, that's an interesting one because uh, Aaron Hill obviously got that that blockbuster win at the start of last season where he beat Renee O'Sullivan at the European Masters, but he didn't really follow it up. Um, obviously, that that grabbed a lot of headlines, quite rightly. Superb win. I think it was the the first match O'Sullivan plays since winning the world title, so uh, um, it was rightly hailed. But uh, he needs to move on from that now, doesn't he? And uh, he he'll certainly be expecting to beat Jimmy White. Um, but Jimmy showed the other day in the Championship League, he beat, beat another York youngster, didn't he? Sean Maddox, he beat him 3-0. So um, it's there with Jimmy. He doesn't produce it on a regular basis, but he certainly can. So we'll see. But um, Hill, will, Hill will be more than hoping to win that one. Um, and I think he'll be favourite for sure. But uh, yeah, this is the thing over this format. Jimmy White can beat anyone first to three. So we'll see what happens. Well, it's dribbled down anyway, in fairness. Matt Self against Tech Trio Unknown. But what definitely prompted me to make sure I scribbled it down was today, Tech Trio has apparently, with some video evidence, not that we suggest that Tech Trio would make something like this up, of course, um, made a break of 155 with a, a red for a free ball, then a black, then 147. I mean, I could just say wow a thousand times over, and that still wouldn't do it justice, Bill Hayes. 
Yeah, very, very rare feat, that is. Um, up at the Q School in Darlington. I think he was playing Hussein Vafai. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's that's a serious practice session, that, isn't it? Doesn't get any better. Um, I think I think Neil Files called it the super maximum in a tweet. Um, and we can call him happy to call it that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, he's, I mean, Tepchai is capable of anything, isn't he? Um, he's one of those players who sort of expect brilliance from him all the time. He doesn't always deliver it, but he clearly did there. So yeah, it's, it's always, it always seems dead busy whenever they tweet any pictures from up there in Darlington. We've got an awful lot of tables, awful lot of quality players and uh, some seriously high standard of practice going on. So, uh, and that was, yeah, like you said, even without that, Tepchai against Celt would have been noteworthy anyway, because that's an interesting game. Um, but yeah, I mean, good luck picking a winner of those two. Who knows? Flip of a coin, that one. I mean, Celt Celt looks right in the Championship League, didn't he? As well, yeah. So, you know, he, 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 he's well capable of turning Tepchai over. Clearly, interesting game that one. I mean, that one is about uh, seven o'clock on on Monday evening, and then a bit later, I think the one that's well, even compared to Selby and Murphy, is probably capturing the headlines, maybe even more so. The Mark Allen. Rian Evans again. I mean, there's a sad element to this, isn't there? Really, let's not pretend there isn't. With um, you know that clearly a life they once had together that went very sour, and now their relationship is is uh, an awful one. Uh, you know, as as we knew so clearly, came to in you know into sharper focus for everybody in Sheffield where they you know. Mark wasn't happy about being in the same uh, room as Rianne, was he, frankly? Um, mm. So it, it's a bad situation. It's an ugly situation. And I think, you know, there's a bit, there's quite a lot of, oh, goodness, and you know, snigger, snigger about it, actually. But um, it, it's not really, in some ways, that, that appetising, I would say. Um, but, you know, it's an uncomfortable one for both of them. I was sure one of them would pull out, actually. Uh, I had a feeling Mark would, but obviously that doesn't look like it's going to happen. So... We're going to see Mark Allen and Rian Evans on the table. I mean, it's not Mark a huge favourite to win the game, or big favourite, you'd say. But uh, are you showing my views there about there being an ugliness to it, as well as the, um, you know, the, the I guess, the element of intrigue? Yeah, definitely. I think as, as much as it is interesting and more people will be watching it, no one wants this. I don't think anyone wants to see anything uh, unpleasant happen. You don't want to see... Not that I'd think it will, but um, while there probably will be something of a frosty atmosphere, that's fine. But yeah, you know, as much as I would like a headline to write at the end of this match, um, I'd rather not see anything fireworks go off. You know, um, I'm sure they. I'm sure it won't. I'm sure they'll just play it, um, and they'll both be desperate to win, as they would be for any match. But uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if. The pressure gets to Mark because, as you say, he'll he's an overwhelming favourite to win the match, um, and it, it's an entirely unique position for him to play a match in. So uh, it, it'll it'll be edgy, definitely, um, but that'll affect Rian as well. Um, neither of them would have chosen this draw at all. So um, yeah, I sort of, you know, part of me in terms of wanting to have a good story to write would like to see something happen, but not really the human side. We'd like to see um, a good, clean game of snooker and uh, high standard game of snooker, hopefully, um, and uh, may the best player win. But yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be the the main event that night um, because actually, I'm, 
there's another really good game on that. Zhu Yu Long versus Tom Ford, a really high standard one there, which could have been the best in most of the other sessions, but um, not too many people are going to be focusing on that one when Mark's playing Rianne. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll see. Um, I'm going to be there on Monday night, so uh, I'll keep everyone up to date on uh, what the atmosphere is like. Yes, I was going to see that up a bit later, but yeah, you see, brought it up there, and you are going to be there, aren't you, uh, uh, Bill? Which is great news for uh, for Metro. Great news uh, for talking snooker. You'll be able to give us hopefully some inside info next time. You, you must be looking forward to it. But first event, obviously, since well, since the Crucible, there hasn't been that many events, so uh, it's it's good to get out back out there. And um, I bet you're looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. I'm just. Uh... First three or four days, getting up there Monday evening, and I'll be there till Thursday. Uh, yeah, never been to the Morningside Arena in Leicester before, so that'll be a new one for me. And just to see how the setup goes, four tables. So I think they're all going on at the same time, and then um, so yeah, they'll be uh, really interesting. I, I like those those first few rounds where everyone's in. You can grab all sorts of people, talk to talk to a whole range of people, especially because this will throw up a few surprises. So it'd be people I wouldn't know. Um, you wouldn't normally speak to through unexpected uh, faces there. So, yeah, really looking forward to that. Seeing a few people not seen for a while or not seen at all before. So um, hopefully I'll have some interesting things for everyone to read from there. Of course you will. That's a guarantee. I remember when you go into the Welsh early in the year and your workload there was prolific and you came up with some fabulous stories. So we really look forward to seeing uh, what you've got to say in the, in the coming days. Uh, on to Tuesday, although feel free, of course, to interject then if you've got that I haven't. Scribble down, Bill. Kyra Morrison, Ashley Hugill. Uh, I mean, that's a smashing game to look forward to. You know, we know Kyra is up for winning everything, as we've always said, uh, already said in this episode. Again, Ashley Hugill that looked pretty good in the Championship League, so interesting match there. And, uh, well, Dean Young, Scott Donaldson. I mean, you know, Dean Young, rookie on tour, uh, taking on a, a, a player he's been practising with. I mean, that was, um, again, it's so much has happened in this draw. This has gone right, right, right down the list. But again, it's thrown up an unusual one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, that should help Dean, I imagine, because he'll he'll be nervous this season in almost everything he plays in, but plays the guy he knows best on tour, the guy he practices with all the time. You'd think that would relax him, but I think whenever that happens, it goes both ways, doesn't it? So Scott will probably also be quite, quite comfortable. Um, but that'll be an interesting one, yeah. And... Uh, bragging rights in the club for whoever comes through that. Uh, the Tuesday morning, we've mentioned him a couple of times before, mentioned him on the the, the uh, predictions pod we did with George Wayham. Um, Wu Yiza, the young Chinese guy, 17-year-old, he didn't play in the Championship League, so this is the first time we're going to see him on tour this season. He's playing Fraser Patrick, so um, hopefully a bit of fireworks from him because he's come highly touted from people in the know, um, so we'll see. And also another youngster, uh, Yulin Boyko playing anti Hamilton, which is really the the opposite end of the scale as well, similar to Hill against White. Really, is the grizzled veteran against the uh, freewheeling teenager who uh, takes on everything. It's absolutely mad to watch Yulin Boyko play. It's quite entertaining. Um, he's got a lot to learn to stay on tour and have a, have a develop a proper professional career. Um, but he's got some serious talent. Uh, but I think the Naus of Hamilton would probably do for him there, but you never know. Over th over best of five, he's more than capable of knocking in a few big breaks, so uh, we'll see, but it should be an interesting one. Um, I don't know if that'll be televised or not, but we'll keep an eye on it from when I'm there. 
I think I've seen that Matchroom Live is going to show the morning action. So I think there will be a way to, to do it. And I think, uh, I, I'm not really a, a, a big gambler, but I know the betting sites tend to sort of show action, don't they? So I'm sure there will be a way to follow the morning action. But yeah, there's a more sort of mainstream service, obviously, like ITV4 in the afternoon and the evening. Uh, Jack Lisowski, who is, of course, Phil, the... The best player ever to win a ranking title. Sorry, Jack. We won't say it every time, honestly. Um, it could come this coming week. He's playing Barry Pinches first. And, uh, well, that, that's a clash of styles, isn't it? <laughs> Jack, Jack 100 miles an hour, knocking everything in all over the place. And the very methodical, but um, still, still a very fine player, Barry Pinches. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I do enjoy watching Pinches. He's got very unique... Just the way he dresses the table. He picks up his cue like it weighs an awful lot more than a cue weighs. But he really like sort of swings it round. Um, but yeah, completely different players there. But um you never know with Lasowski if he if he's if he's not been I, I don't know if he has been practicing, I'm sure he has been practicing, but if he's not on his game, he's liable to a few mistakes and uh yeah, you could see a big upset there. I had a I had a quick look through the sort of odds for these games and they are priced up in what I would term sort of how we do expect them to be priced over longer formats. And there are some very long price underdogs, which I was quite surprised to see because I would expect quite a number of shocks, really. So uh, if you can pick wisely there, there's probably some money to be made. I'm not saying that's the one to pick, um, but there might be some odd, there might be some gamblers in Norwich back in Barry there. He'll be on a big price. <laughs> um, yes. Now, I remember when, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when pretty much racing was the only sport that really people betted on a lot. And then the lot changed maybe late 80s into the 90s with football, the Italian 90 World Cup, which changed so much generally. It was a big betting event. I remember that kind of got football more into the sphere. But in those early days of, of snooker betting, I knew a few people that would say, the bookies would often get it wrong, but they wouldn't be clued up enough. Now that's changed over the decades, mm. definitely. They're much more clued up now. But I still think there's the odd one. And I, and I noticed it at the Championship League, actually, uh, two or three people that uh, we know pretty well on Twitter were like, actually, this is mad. This is half mad. And it transpired, they, they were right. And it, it sort of, I think it still happens in this sport more than you'd get in like a, a football or a golf or even the tennis, I think. And, uh, you probably can get those strained bargains from from uh, perhaps matches that haven't been quite priced up carefully enough. Is that fair? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert, but I, yeah, I think I think certainly in this case, it's, it's the format maybe they don't take into account the format quite as much as they should. And I'm, I'm sure that you know these guys make money for a living; they take our money offers for a living, so they know what they're doing. I'm not out here trying to tell them how to run a bookmakers, but. Um, yeah, I just having a look at a few prices for this for this tournament. This it's not a lottery. Like people said, people have been saying it's a lottery. That's that's not true. You still got to win three frames. Very difficult. Um, but that yeah, there's people who are more than capable of beating anyone over over a best of five that are priced up. What I would imagine they'd be priced up over a best of seven or a best of nine. And obviously, the shorter the format, the better their chances are. So yeah, I think yeah. If you uh, if you back a few underdogs this week, then uh, there'll be some money to be made probably. But uh, yeah, I'm no tipster, so I'll not be throwing out too many tips here. 
<laughs> no, we're not we're both in the same boat there. Well, uh, Tuesday night is obviously another outrageous draw. Uh, Mark Selby against Sean Murphy. A repeat of the world final, which we enjoyed so much uh, in May. A terrific world final. Uh, went nearly all the way, won by Selby at 18-15. I mean, neither of them would have wanted this, Bill, clearly. Um, they, could, they could be making a, a far, or one of them will be making a far earlier exit than they had would have planned for this, this tournament. And, yeah, I know you said we're not going to mention the format every time, but with this, you kind of almost have to in the sense that let's not bother predicting it. Let's just enjoy it when we can, while we can. And, uh, you know, maybe let's hope it's 3-2 so we see five frames at least between them. <laughs> yeah, and you'd expect that, I guess. Um, I suppose, I mean, trying to put some sort of logic to it, um, Murphy played in the Championship League. He got through one group, played in the second stage where Selby didn't play, uh, playing that at all. So... I'm sure he has been practicing, but uh, Murphy has had more match practice recently over these short format games. Also, I don't know if you saw knocking around on social media. Selby had his ten-year uh, wedding anniversary on uh, Friday night, and uh, it was a big old party. There were some very uh, some entertaining pictures. A lot of players were there, um, but he must have spent some time organising that, and obviously was at that. And he probably was had a little headache on Saturday morning after that. So. As I say, I'm sure he has been practicing, but he, he hasn't had match practice and he has, his mind has been elsewhere as well. So logically, I would probably back Murphy on this. Um, but on a best of five between two of the best players in the world, anything can happen. And Selby will certainly be motivated playing in his hometown. He's going to end up playing in Leicester a few times this year, it seems, but um, I'm not sure the last time he did. Um, so I'll be looking forward to playing, and I'm sure in front of a lot of friends and family. So yeah, who knows? I think... I've convinced myself logically Murphy's the favourite, but yeah, it's daft to it's daft to put your um, to say firmly one way or the other between those two. Yeah, I think he might have had a bit more than a slight uh, headache. I, I did see a never drinking again um, <laughs> message from him, so yeah, looked like quite abashed that actually. And didn't Dave Gilbert actually uh, say he was going to pick up his good lady from the party and maybe have a, a quick shandy before departing? I'm not sure if you did, but that was a proper great and the good of snooker there, wasn't it? It really was. Yeah, no, he did say he went and, and went and picked Mrs. Gilbert up. But I think, I mean, this is typical Dave as well. He said he just wanted to lie low and there were a lot of players there. And he sort of took a few congratulations and then got out there as quick as he could um, back to his garage. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there did seem like, um, yeah, there were all sorts of uh, famous names there. It looked great. It looked, I, I don't know what the venue was or anything, but... Uh, there was a band on stage. I think I saw Sel I think I saw Selby on there singing. Um, looked like a great time. So I hope everyone enjoyed it. Yeah. Your friend Glenn Dart was there from the darts role, I think, as well. So there's a, a few other sporting characters that, that, that seem to be there. Looked like a terrific, terrific bash. And uh, obviously, congratulations uh, uh, to Mark and Vicky on, on their on their anniversary. Um, David Gilbert, Matthew Stevens. I mean, you said Dave's already practicing. I mean. Listen, sport's so mad, and we've seen these sort of things happen so many times. The idea that Dave Gilbert would go all that time without winning one and then win two in a row, that's what happens in sport. Sport's mad <laughs> like that. But um, it, it, it's a nice match of a Matthew Stevens, actually, isn't it? It's, um, you know, it's two proper snooker players there. That's going to be, um, you know, 
Maybe not one. Yeah, I'd say one for the purists. That's going to be smashed into what, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. To, uh, no, well, yeah, attacking. Yeah, I suppose just sort of, uh, yeah, nice to watch, aren't they? They're both nice to watch, break builders, uh, and they'll play it uh, aggressively. I think they'll probably both, while taking it seriously, they'll uh, they'll be out there aggressive, not worrying too much over the short format. So, yeah, it'll be a good one. Um, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I asked Dave if he thinks he's going to um, feel different going into the venue as a winner. And he says he hasn't got any idea, but he'll, he'll certainly be playing with a smile on his face and enjoying himself, um, which he wasn't really doing last year when he had, was going through those troubles. And he'll certainly be playing better because of that. So, yeah, good looks to that. And there's a, there's a couple of interesting uh, games that night. Stephen Hendry back in action against Chris Wakelin. Um, so we'll see where his game is at. Um, Chris got to the Crucible, obviously, for the first time uh, this year. So uh, that is a proper test for Stephen Hendry. And there's a couple of nice ones as well. Jamie Jones against Osain Vafai. It's an interesting game. And Michael Holt against Mark Davis. That's a pick as well. Who knows between that? That's a real toss of the coin. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of games in this that I was look, going through trying to pick out. And there's, a, there's obviously like three or four obvious standout ones. And then there's so many interesting sort of trade matches that uh, you'd like to watch and probably won't be able to watch them all. But, uh, yeah, some good ones in there. No, I, I agree with that. I looked through the list and thought, actually, yes, there's, there's intrigue in so many of them, actually. Um, and, and, and that first round will continue uh, through until Wednesday. Uh, Barry Hawkins, Luca Purcell is um, certainly a, a nice match between, uh, again, two proper players there. And you could say the same about Stuart Bingham against Rob Milkins. Uh, so that's, that's um, again, lot, lots of action to look forward to. I don't know if you've scribbled down anything else. Uh, from Wednesday, but overall, it's just a just a cracking first round, isn't it? Yeah, the the other one I wrote on on Wednesday morning was Cao Yupeng against Xiao Jintong. Um, having watched Cao play so well, and a really tough draw for him against Xiao Jintong, um, and that I mean they're two players that could, you know, in the next ten years be very high up in the game. I was, I couldn't believe how impressed I was with Cao Yupeng. I know he was a great player before. Um, well, he was emerging as a great player before he got banned. Um, but he clearly has not taken a backward step at all. He seems better, if anything, or certainly where he was when he was getting to a couple of ranking finals before his suspension. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, anything else there? Jamie Clark against Bang Juju was a nice couple of young, exciting players there. But, uh, yeah, you're right. There's There's just loads going on there. It's going to be... I feel like my eyes are going to be all over the place trying to keep up with all the interesting games that you want to watch um, from sort of nine in the morning till 10 at night, isn't it? It's going to be constant, uh, going to be busy up there, but I'm going to enjoy it for sure. Yeah, I think television probably go through till 11, so they will. They really will be long old days and nights. And uh, and we said it before, of course, but it's definitely worth repeating. that there, there is a real history to this event. It's a different format now with, with the best of five, but... There's so much history, and ITV put an early montage up uh, looking forward to it. They since done another one, and it might even be actually even better. It's so good with Dickie Davis presenting the action and, and Ray Reardon and a young Hendry, and you just realise, God, it, it's great, really. And, I mean, it's fun to think that John Higgins will be uh, the, the defending champion, having won it in 2004. Uh, and 
it's just a, it's just a nice name. The British Open, it brings back memories, and let's hope now that it stays on the calendar. We can make some more sort of memories for the modern age. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Um, whether it stays in this format, um, we'll see. Uh, there's obviously been some backlash about the about the uh, the format, the short format games. I spoke to Jason Ferguson today, and he recognised that, and he said that obviously it, everyone knows that a lot of people prefer longer format. But we'll see how it goes. If the viewing figures are good, then it'll probably stay as it is. But if they're not, or if they're just woeful feedback, then it'll change. You know, it's a fluid thing, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think one, now it's back. I would imagine it will stay, um, but it may well change again. Um, but yes, yeah, definitely something to look forward to. I mean, it's, it's such a long time since uh, it was on. I mean, there's a couple of players that are playing in it that they may have just been born, but they may, like, Wu Yu's is 17, isn't he? And it was 17 years ago that it was last on. So, I mean, that's how long ago it is, which is crazy to think. It doesn't seem that long ago because there's a lot of players in it who played in that one. Uh, and a few other ones, so yeah, um, but yeah, a bit scary there. I saw you just shake your head when I said that. Oh, god, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's too much, isn't it? Right, I'm, I find myself writing about sports stars that were born in 03, 04, sometimes 05. I think, oh, bloody hell. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we, are, we are really looking forward uh, to the British Open, it all starts on Monday, and uh. Full coverage in the UK on ITV4, but obviously there'll be a chance to watch it as well. I think I saw a message it's on Facebook actually. Um, yeah, I was trying to I was trying to get my head around it. It's in certain it's in certain territories. It's available on Facebook for free. I don't think that's the UK though. But yeah, I think it's Matchroom Live. You'll have to watch the morning ones. Um, sorry, I should know that. But we're okay. Yeah. We're okay in that sense, aren't we? Because it's on free to air television. Um, in the afternoon and evening, but obviously yeah. outside the UK, I think you can watch it on Facebook. On your most people can. Yeah. So it, it's 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 plenty, it's not it's going to be widely available. It's not in a bad slot. Uh, the really really bigger events of early summer uh, are now are now over, and yet football starting. There is some cricket around, but it's not in a bad slot. A lot of people on their holidays, but you know I, I can imagine people even on their holidays tuning in on. On a, on a weekday night, certainly, when there perhaps isn't that much live sport around this coming week, and enjoying some really fine, fine snooker action. We are going to miss, of course, Ronnie uh, uh, O'Sullivan, Neil Robertson, um, and uh, they are big misses, but there are so many stars in this game. And uh, we wish all the players well and uh, and everybody covering the event. And uh, all the best for your trip there, Phil. I'm sure it's going to be excellent. We look ahead to the British Open, but unfortunately, we won't look ahead uh, to the Turkish Masters in around a month's time. Hopefully, all the best uh, will and all that, it'll be in March. But we did hear it'll be, it'll been postponed uh, in the last few days. And that's not a great surprise, is it, Phil, frankly? It's still on the UK government's red list for travel. So uh, getting there is extremely problematic and would require all kinds of unpleasant quarantine arrangements, certainly on the way home. Uh, and also, unfortunately, the country's uh, currently battling severe wildfires. Um, so it's a shame we're going to see qualifying rounds of the English Open and Scottish Open in that slot uh, instead now, that late September, early October slot. There, there, there was a, originally talk from World Snooker Tour that would have a, a ranking event in that slot to be played in the UK. That's obviously not happened. They can't get that off the ground. And it does mean, I mean, we have to cut people slack in the COVID era, of course we do, but it does mean that the coming weeks and maybe 
I have to look again at the calendar, but off the top of my head, I'm thinking perhaps until the Northern Ireland Open in Belfast, once the British Open is over, it feels like a relatively flat period coming into the early part of the autumn. Yeah, it is a bit um, it's a shame. I think, as you say, it was sort of not entirely surprising. It did seem quite ambitious. And again, I was speaking to Jason Ferguson. I think they, they probably could have got it together just, uh, but it might have been behind closed doors and stuff. And they, for a brand new tournament, it, there was no there was no consideration of not doing it properly. So they had to stick it back to, to March next year, hopefully. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it does seem, yeah, there's a few qualifiers straight after the British Open. But then the next thing on the calendar is the Northern Ireland Open that doesn't start till the 9th of October. So that's the whole of September looking very quiet indeed, uh, which is a shame. Um, they'll keep us on our toes for coming up with interesting ideas for podcasts. Um, but yeah, player, the players aren't going to love that. And <laughs> they've got to earn a living. Uh, so yeah, that is a shame. And I think I know a lot, a lot everyone really was looking forward to going to Antalya. It looks incredible. So um, hopefully all being well, that will be back on the calendar. Um, and yeah, I don't think, I'd, I'd be very surprised if they fill anything in, in that gap now at this short notice. But hopefully the, the back end of the year, the calendar will be absolutely rammed full of tournaments to sort of make up for the quiet start. Yes, there's going to be a, a, a feast to come uh, after the relative famine, unfortunately, the next few weeks. We're certainly worried about keeping us and our toes filled. We might have to come up with some even more new plans uh, uh, in those quieter weeks. But um, it, let's look at it positively. It's, it's opportunity for us, isn't it, Phil? That's the way to look at it. And can you please sound the, we've gone over an hour again, Clapson, or... <laughs> We, like the mavericks that we are, we've broken the unofficial podcast rule. We've gone above an hour. And, uh, <laughs> we, we don't care, do we? We're pleased to do that, aren't we? We're, we're no, absolutely. One of my cats has just come to sit on my knee and that usually means we've been going on a while because he's got bored. So, yeah, that's a good sign. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I don't blame the, the cat at all. We have gone on quite a lot on this Saturday night. We are going to depart soon. Uh, but uh, just to say that talking about plans coming up we told you about september the 13th where we're going to have our next your views episode uh, we haven't had an enormous amount of correspondence we certainly have enough and we're sure we will as well in the coming weeks to make that episode more than worthwhile we're going to hopefully get um uh, as we often do someone from the writing and broadcasting community to come in and help us uh, address your thoughts and questions and the week before september the 6th phil um listen we can't uh, say we'll promise but we hope to get a big name in don't we negotiations are taking place we're almost certainly going to have a player it's going to be a big name on september the 6th with a bit like we might be able to reveal next week the identity of that player but that is that is certainly coming up but one guest is nailed down and he's going to join us in the last episode of the month which might be august the 31st because it's actually a bank holiday weekend which you know it's obviously problematic here in the UK but for many of us for work and, and pleasure purposes but we're delighted to say that Hector Nunns will, will join us now he's um, clearly one of the, the biggest names in snooker journalism I'm not sure anybody uh, spends more time on the snooker circuit than Hector so we, we really do um, want to utilise Hector coming on we're delighted that he's doing so and we do want to actually have you involved as well and we're going to make it a bit of a media special, obviously myself, Phil and Hector, 
if you want to ask anything about the media, kind of how it worked with regard to snooker, uh, anything really, where this sport stands right now in the media world, perhaps you think there could be more coverage, and you want to ask us maybe how we want to try and go about that and in the, in the, in the months and years to come. And we are genuinely pleased that Hector's coming on, aren't we, Bill? Because he's, he's, you know, he's a... The sort of doyen, really, of snooker journalism. We know he has so many valuable things to say about the sort of media. And um, yeah, we are, and hopefully we might have one or two interesting things to say as well. Who knows? Well, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. We'll leave it up to Hector. But yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah, he goes to, I mean, endless tournaments. Um, you know, he knows everyone in the game. He's spoken to every single player. Um, and yeah, I, I guess a lot of people that listen to this sort of do a bit of writing, do a bit of blogging. And probably interested in how sort of we all got into journalism and and if what the paths are to end up writing about snooker for anywhere. So yeah, any sort of questions about that, um, we'll pass them on to Hector and he'll answer them. <laughs> but yeah, we'll try as well maybe. Uh, but yeah, no, um, yeah, that's gonna be good. Um, he's got he knows everything about snooker journalism, so he's the perfect man to have on. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that one. I'm actually going to see him. He'll be in he'll be in Leicester this week, so. I'll see him there first. Brilliant. Well, I know you'll look forward to that. And I mean, I, I'm always interested, obviously it's, it's my business, um, you know, about snooker in newspapers. So I, I'll certainly be wanting to get Hector's up, you know, views on where snooker sits in the, in the newspaper world. And we might well talk about players and, and interviews as well. I know that's something that's, that's come up quite a lot. That we're very lucky that snooker players speak straight away, but I know there was a bit of comeback from that, wasn't there? A little bit. I know Sean Murphy was on here uh, earlier in the summer saying that he thinks maybe that could be looked at. I mean, we'll probably fight against that a bit because we love the access. We <laughs> also understand the difficulty from a player's point of view. But these are all interesting debate points, aren't they? Surrounding sort of the media side of of, of what we do and and, uh, and 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 snooker journalism in general. Yeah, and uh, they sort of come and go, don't they? There's talking points. Obviously, they come and go after tournaments. Um, you know, that came up in the World uh, Semis, didn't it? When um, Stuart and Kyron were interviewed immediately after they'd lost. And is that fair? Is that not fair? I mean, how else would you do it, really? Um, they'd probably equally not want to be dragged back in for an interview the next day or a couple of hours later or something. That would be mad. Um, but yeah, um, but they're interesting things that people have. Uh, opinions on and uh, yeah that was, any talking point like that or something similar would be great um, and yeah H Hector writes for a, a range of papers uh, uh, so I think he mainly sort of tabloidy based papers but he's done other stuff as well um, so any questions about how those sort of pieces are put together because I've, I've never done that I've written almost exclusively online and it's such a different brief such a different way of writing um, so I'll probably have plenty of questions for him myself as well yeah, we very much look forward to that with Hector Nunzen in our final episode of the month. Probably going to be recording on August the 31st. It'll be our last episode of summer. But I know what we're going to be doing next time we, we convene, Phil. We'll be reviewing the British Open. and Well, it, it, it makes your head hurt to think of the number of stories that we'll have to talk about next week. Goodness, we, we, I would, I'll be surprised if that doesn't go over an hour because we're, every day we're going to be bombarded, aren't we, with great stories, drama... I mean, again, the format's not everyone's cup of tea. We know that, but it's going to throw up stories, shocks if you can call them shocks. Uh, young players that perhaps haven't haven't had a, a, as good a run in a long time going a long way, possibly. 
Um, but normally we still end up with big names in the final. So it'll be interesting to see if that sort of trend carries on as well. Yeah, that's why I, if I was to make some wild predictions and they, I think they have to be wild. Any prediction in this tournament would be a wild one because it's so difficult to make any guesses about. But yeah, you would expect if you got to the semi-finals, at least two of them to still be the established big names that are at the end of most tournaments, if not three. But certainly one, maybe two names that you don't see very often at the back end of uh, major tournaments. I, I made this comparison the other week, maybe last week, about the UK Open Darts. Um, I like that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the look at, you look at the winners. Uh, I mean, Phil Taylor and Raymond Van Barneveld, James Wade won a lot of those sort of early ones. Mainly big names winning it. But then you, I've got the list of sort of runners up. It, that tournament's been running since 2003. And uh, even, even sort of darts fans that listen to this may not be big, uh, up, you know, big knowledgeable uh, fans of people like Shane Burgess, Barry Bates, the American Gary Mawson. I don't, have you heard of any of these guys, Nick? I, I don't think I've heard of Barry Bates. He got to the final of that, did he? Yeah, people like Colin Osborne. Even more recently, Corey Cadby, the Australian. Luke Humphreys this year is a great player, but he's not he's not a regular in in big finals. So is this sort of vibe? Like it's it's nearly always the big names will get the hands on the trophy, but there's very much the opportunity for a big run for lesser known players. That's a really good way of saying it. So we we shouldn't be that surprised if if next Sunday night we end up with a really big player against a lesser known. That's that's something to keep an eye on. And uh, and it will come to a conclusion of the tournament next Sunday night. Should we depart? I think match of the day has just started. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I lay you a sportsman's bet that Manchester United beat Leeds five one. We'll <laughs> I, I watched that game, and having spent the whole week doing my fantasy football team and taking Bruno Fernandes in and out of it, I left him out of it and just hated it. Going <laughs> to take him out before today. Oh, yeah. I saw a tweet about about you. Actually, you, you, you seem to be quite in a in a state of some kind of despair as you were doing that. I was just, I mean, annoyingly, I had the day off the day that Friday, so it just left me too much time to be thinking about it. I think the the, the least amount of time is best for that. So you just don't overthink things, and I clearly did overthink things quite badly. <laughs> well, it's it's a long old season. That, that's the ultimate marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. But uh, Phil, thank you so much. It's great to see you. Have a great time in Leicester. Seriously, do enjoy yourself. And uh, I know I'll be messaging you throughout the week. And uh, we can't, I can't wait to hear all about it when we when we speak again after the final. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Louis Heathcote tweeted me actually saying he'd come for a curry and a pint at his club in Leicester. So I'm gonna have to take him up on that um, when I've got some spare time. <laughs> if I've if I've got any spare time, I will do. But yeah, no, looking forward to it. Um, and yeah, hopefully I'll have lots of good stuff for you to read. Well, enjoy it. I've been to Leicester a few times for football lately. I'm rather fond of my trips there. So, yes, um, I'm pleased for you. You're going to have a great time. We look forward to hearing all about it next time. That's just about it. Keep your thoughts coming to us. If it's a journalism media point, sort of market clearly, FIO media or for Hector. Uh, but if it's about anything else, obviously keep your thoughts coming as well. Talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. Uh, talking snooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talking snooker enjoy the british open it's going to be a fabulous event hopefully great week to come uh, do really uh, relish it all uh, but for now uh, thank you very much for joining us on this uh, latest episode of talking snooker 
with Phil and myself. Cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.